Okay, uh, I want us to continue. This is kind of part two of our series on no generational causes that we started last week. And uh, I'm sure those of us who were present last week were able to have some clear understanding about God's mind over this particular issue. More especially as uh, Meg keep emphasizing that from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse number 5, as touching the iniquities of the fathers being laid upon the third and the fourth generation. Amen. All right. Uh, but last week, the Lord made us to understand clearly from Deuteronomy 24, verse 16, that Moses himself kind of repealed that law, if I may use the word, avoided it by saying that sons will no longer die for children, neither will children die for the sons. And we find that uh, King Amaziah in the book of First Kings chapter 14 and verse, uh, verse 6 actually demonstrated that when he decided not to kill the sons of those who killed his father because according to him the Lord of Moses said children will not die for their fathers hallelujah so this is absolutely clear from the word of God and uh, we're trying to look into this to come to the place of determining our position now when I mean our position is who we are in relation to God in relation to uh, our paternity if I may use the word and where we are today, uh, we're going to be dealing with the issue of the blood as it relates to man. Uh, let's not forget, the Bible says um, the life of the flesh is where? It's in the blood. So the blood you carry determines the life you live. Amen? And uh, if we are born again, we'll be able to know that we have another life, another blood entirely from the previous blood that we are having. But tonight... Just to continue from the last reading we had, uh, especially from Ezekiel that I quoted last week, we're going to look at Ezekiel this evening, precisely Ezekiel chapter 18, and then uh, we'll proceed to read uh, one more scripture on that. But I want to caption this sub uh, sub for today as how you can attract causes, if at all. The only way a generational cause, if I may use the word, can pass on to you is to continue with what your fathers did. Amen? Is is to continue what your fathers did. In other words, if you live the life your fathers lived, then you can suffer whatever thing they did. And that's what I want to use the Bible to prove. So, if, for instance, you have come to become, you believe, you are born again, you are a child of God, you are not serving idols, you are not doing the things that your father did, you are not carrying on their activities into the present day of your life, there is no room one bit for anything that your father did to affect you. Is that okay? If you look at the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. How many of you remember that? Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. In other words, what you don't attend to will naturally die by itself. 
Anything you don't attend to will naturally die. Even you who is serving God, if you're not flaming up your life through prayer, through meditation, through the study of the word, what happened to your spirit? It will drop. So why do you think if you're not attending to the idols of your father, they can still affect you? That is wrong theology. It can't work. Because people come all the time, you hear people talk about fresh anointing, fresh oil, fresh fire. What are they trying to tell you? Kindle the fire of the Lord that is in you. Amen? Good. The implication is if you don't, there's going to be a kind of drop in your relationship with God. It's the same thing. Whatever uh, system, uh, gold, or idols, whatever thing you are not worshipping, you are not attending to, will naturally by itself diminish in effect. It will reduce. Amen? Okay. So, um, in case there is a need for you to also know this, maybe I, I give you my own life example. Maybe it will help. Uh, a lot of people know, you know my father. I remember I mentioned it to you that he made a statement once and said, if your kind of fellowship were to be in the village, I will go to church. But what I'm seeing here now, I can't go to church because they will not be able to sustain my life. You know, he was a traditional worshiper, right? But he feels that he has so much power that the church cannot give. By the way they practice, by the things they do. Now, what I'm trying to say essentially is this. My children, for instance, now I grew up seeing my dad worship these idols. Is that okay? I grew up seeing them. But... I, at least I know the name of one or two. One of them is called Ududumale. That's one of them, one of the shrine. That they, they, they had. It was supposed to be a family shrine for the whole family. My dad was also, you know, worshipping that. Okay, it's called Ududumale. Now, that's one of them that I know. Several other ones are there. Uh, I know there were several things that you don't do. For instance, you don't, uh, there used to be a banana, very big banana uh, bunch or, you know, plantain, whatever, around, you know, in my compound. You don't use matcha to cut it. You use a, a stick, sharpened stick. Now, our great-grandfather was giving birth to children and dying, and they went to get that, and they planted it, and I said, as banana sprouts, that's how your family will begin to increase. So, there was a stop to the dying of the children in the home. Is that okay? Now, the rule is, you don't use matcha to cut that. It's like you reverse it if you do. Are you getting this? Now that one was there. Several other things I said. Now, but when I gave my life to God, all those things were violated. Okay? Now, but the point I'm really bringing is this. None of my children, maybe if Maxwell is here now, is hearing this for the first time. None of my children heard about this thing or knows anything about this thing. Now, because they don't know it and they don't worship it and they don't serve it, there is no way that spirit can affect them. Because nobody is attending to them. Now, my father is late. I'm not attending to them. My children is not attending to them. How can they? Come on, are you catching what I'm talking about now? That's the simple truth. And that's why I'm going to read this scripture here. Because sometimes people say these things. See, the truth of it is... <laughs> You can't pay for the sins you committed, not the talk of the one your father's committed. You cannot. It's, it's a wrong theology. It's, it's a heavy deception. Let me make you say this. Do you even know 
All of us sin every day. Let me put, I'm not talking about what you call sin. Hear this. The Bible defines sin as the things which you should do or the one, in other words, what you ought to do and you didn't do it is sin. Do you know that? How do you pay for that? And I'm telling you the things you miss doing almost every day of your life. How do you pay for that? That's a problem. Sin is not just what you do. Sin is living undone what you should have done. Okay, let's put it this way. You are a young man in the house. You are supposed to greet your father in the morning and you didn't greet. It's sin. <laughs> you get what I'm talking about? Now it's simple. We just define sin to be maybe killing or stealing. It's much more than that. The whole life you live has to do with it. So, I want you to understand this. There are things you can't pay for. That's what I'm trying to say. You cannot pay for your sins. That is why grace is important. That's why the blood of Jesus could do what you could not do. Even what the Lord could not do, the blood could do what? Could do it. So you just trust and believe in the blood. Amen? Trust and believe in the blood. Because there is nothing you can do about your past. Nothing. Absolutely. You know, sometimes you have people talk about, maybe I'm going to find time. The other day I was asking Master, discussing, what do you think about restitution? You know, people talk about restitution, paying for the things you, I have time to discuss that with you, but it's a very dangerous thing to talk about restitution in that way. Because, like I'm saying, there are things you cannot even remember. Okay, think about that. You killed somebody. How are you going to pay back? Because restitution means paying back what you, are you getting that? How are you going to pay back for the person you killed? What about all some of these young men raping women? Think about that. And they gave their life to Christ. How are you going to pay back for the rape you committed? Huh? Wrong theology. It doesn't make sense. Because it can't fit into scriptures. Now I'm going to read the scriptures so that we can understand them, for instance. Because you see, the only thing people know is, you want to talk about restitution, is you stole some money. Is that okay? Yeah, you stole some money and you know the amount you stole. And then now you're repented, you want to go and pay back. What about if you don't even have the money to pay back? What are you going to do? And then people say, well, you go and confess. Like I said some time ago, I have somebody who made a confession. He went to jail. The Lord said, you stole fine, you stole fine. And I was happy that I suffering for Christ's sake. No, 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 no. Absolutely wrong. You see, if we look critically to the scriptures, you, you are indirectly telling me that people like Apostle Paul were not even supposed to be ministers of God. That's a man that literally was killing more Christians. How is he going to pay back for the people he killed? I mean, just think about that. How is he going to do that? Praise the Lord. Okay. Let's go to Exodus 18 and see. We just need to get the word of God right. And, and that takes you back to Ezekiel 18, just keep opening. That takes you back to the things we've dealt with, the abuse of the cross. Amen? It's very important. You see, in 1 Corinthians, if you look at that very well, I think 18 or so, the Bible talks about the cross is to those who perish foolishness. Right? And it talks about confirming the wisdom of the wise. You know what that means? For those who claim to be wise are those who think that there are some things they can do to save themselves. Greek philosophers, Hebrew ways of living and doing things in relation to the law. And then you talk about those. You see, you, you, the foolishness is simply believing. 
Alright? To the foolish man is simply believing that this thing is true. And that's all. But if you try to be helping yourself by having some wisdom you want to put in place in doing some things to please God so that God can forgive you, you are just getting to religion. That's why the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Because how can you say merely believing will save you from your past? To the man who is religious, that is foolishness. Are you getting what I'm talking about now? Okay, maybe we'll find time to deal with that again. Ezekiel 18. God is going to judge you according to your lifestyle. He doesn't judge you based on your past. That's what I want to prove from this world. And I want to read it from the message. Ezekiel chapter number 18 from verse 1. Are we all there together? Check into your Bible. God's message to me. Ezekiel speaking. What do you, what do you people mean by going around the country repeating the same? The parents ate green apples. The children got stomach ache. As sure as I'm the living God, you are not going to repeat the same in Israel any longer. For every soul, man, woman, child, belongs to me. Parent and child alike, you die for your own sins, not another's. Amen? Did you get that? Verse 5. Imagine a person who lives well, treating others fairly, keeping good relationships, doesn't eat at the pagan shrines, doesn't worship the idols so popular in Israel, doesn't seduce the neighbor's spouse, doesn't indulge in casual sex, doesn't bully anyone, doesn't pile up bad debts, doesn't steal, doesn't refuse to... Refuse food to the hungry. Doesn't refuse clothing to the ill-clad. Doesn't exploit the poor. Doesn't live by impulse and greed. Doesn't treat one person better than another. But lives by my status and faithfully honors and obeys my laws. This person who lives upright and well shall live a full and true life. Decreed of God, the master. Verse number 10. But if this person has a child... Listen now. If this person has a child who turns violent and murders and goes off and does any of these things. Verse 11. Even though the parent has done none of them, it are the pagan shrine, says his neighbor's spouse, bullies the weak, steals, pile up bad debts, admire idols, commits unrighteous obscenities, exploit the poor, do things. Do you think this person, the child, will live? Not at all. Not a chance because he's done all these vile things. He will die. And his death will be his own fault. That's what I'm trying to bring you. Listen, he said, if a father lived a wrong life, let's just summarize all of this thing with world wrong life. Is that okay? If a father lived a wrong life, okay, fine. The first one is, a father lived a good life. Are you getting that? Then he gives back to a child. And this child now lived what? A wrong life. He is saying, the good life of the father will not save the child. I like the way God started. He started from the good side of a father who lived a good life. Are you seeing that? Good. The good life of the father will not save the bad child. But he's saying the bad child will die for his own fault. 
Because number one, he didn't pick anything from the father. There is no constraint from the father. Are you getting this? Good. So ordinarily, if you think this is the way it's supposed to work, that every child must die for what the father did, automatically, that boy ought to not have died because the father lived a good life. Does that make sense? That's what the Lord is saying. So it's not saying if, so we can even begin to say from this, if a child is not justified because his father lived a good life, how would a child die if his father lived a bad life? And he's living a good life. Are you getting this? Good. So if your father lived a bad life and you are living a good life, God said you are going to live. You can't die because your father lived what? A bad life. Very simple. Does it make sense? Okay. Okay. Let's go down again to verse 14. I will read through all of this. Because there are only two major scriptures I want to examine tonight. Look at verse 14. Now look. Suppose that this child has a... This child has a child. Now this is a third or a second generation now. Are you getting that? Good. Supposing this child has a child. Who sees all the sins done by his parent? The child sees them. But doesn't follow in the parents' footsteps. I want you to understand this. In other words, assuming my father lived a bad life. Are you, are you still there with me? Okay, let me put it this way. My father lived a good life. Right? And then I lived a bad life. Are you following it now? I'm supposed to suffer for my sin. Now I gave birth, I mean I gave birth to a child. Are you, are you seeing that? And the child sees the life I am living. But choose not to live my life. Are you getting that? Okay, so let's follow it. It goes on, verse 16. Doesn't eat the pagan shrine, doesn't worship the popular idols of Israel, doesn't seduce his neighbor's uh, spouse, doesn't bully anyone, doesn't refuse, I mean, doesn't refuse to loan money, doesn't steal, doesn't refuse food to the hungry, doesn't refuse to give clothes to the ecloth, doesn't live by impulse and greed. Doesn't exploit the poor. He does what I say. He performs my laws and lives by my statutes. This person will not die for the sins of the parents. Can I hear the man to that? He will live truly and well. But, verse 18. The parent will die for what the parent did. For the sins of oppressing the weak. Robbing brothers and sisters, doing what is dead wrong in the community. Do you need to ask? So, why does the child not suffer the guilt of the parents? Isn't it plain? It's because the child did what is far and fair and right. Since the child was careful to do what is lawful and right, the child will live truly and well. Verse 20. The soul that sinned is the soul that dies. The child does not share the guilt of the parent, nor the parent the guilt of the child. Hallelujah. If you live upright and well, you get the credit. Can I hear amen to that? If you live a wicked life, you, if you are guilty as charged. I want you to get that. You live right, you get the credit. You live in a bad state, you get guilty, I mean the guilt as charged. Now, it's a simple question. How do you live right today? In sense of what Christ has done. You still believe into what Christ has done. What is God's righteousness? Is Christ being made our righteousness. Amen? 
Are you following what I'm talking about? So the point is, your parents did whatever thing they were supposed to have done, but the Bible is saying if you live in right by doing what God says, that's living out your life. No, look at it. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, The life I live in the flesh is no longer I that live it, but Christ that live it in me. Amen? Hallelujah. So now you're living through the righteousness of Christ, therefore, practically it is impossible for anything your father or your great-grandfather did to do what? To affect you. Not at all. It can't work. It's not biblical. Are you following what I'm talking about? Now get this point right. You can only suffer generational causes if you continue with what your fathers did that were wrong in the sight of God. Amen? Okay. Go to verse 21. But a wicked person who turns his back on that life of sin and keeps all my status, living a just and righteous life, he will live. Amen? Really live. He won't die. Verse 22. I won't keep a list of all the things he did wrong. He will live. Hear what God is saying. The man did the wrong thing. Now he repents. And begins to follow the, the way of God and doing the right thing. Are you getting what I'm talking about? God is saying what he did before, I will not remember. I will blot it out. I'm not keeping any list. I mean, that tells you something. Why will anybody want to continuously remind you of the list of what your fathers did? God is even saying, even you, if you did the wrong thing, you drink the wrong life, and now you repent, and you come to God, and you begin to live the right life that God has ordained. He said, even the things you did before, he won't remember. Are you there with me? So there is no way anything you did prior to your repentance can affect you. Because there is no record of the things you did before you repented. Can I hear an amen to that? Praise God. Look at verse 23. Do you think I take any pleasure in the death of wicked men and women? Isn't it my pleasure that they turn around, no longer living wrong, but living right, really living? Hallelujah. In in other words, God is not even... You see... By implication, what is killing the people? God is feeling bad. The people are dying for what they are dying for. <laughs> are you getting what I'm talking about? That when you come and simply say, Oh Lord, I believe. You guys see, Oh, come on, hear me this. <laughs> no, people teach that. No problem. It's fine. You have to make some confessions. You have to make this. Hey, the man that, how many of you remember the jailer? The jailer. Paul and Silas. Huh? You go back and read that story. What did a man do to be saved? There was no confession. Right there. Paul didn't say, say this after me, confess this after me, the reminder of your past or whatever. No. Do you believe? Are you getting what I'm talking about? Right there. He was saved and his own household. Praise the living God. I mean, this thing is so simple. We're making it very difficult. We are unable to make people see what God has done, what He's doing, what the sacrifice of Jesus is. That is why, to me, the cross is the centrality of the gospel of Jesus. 
Amen. And often and again, people preach the cross in terms of your suffering. No, 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 no. It's very wrong. I remember sometimes I preached this. I made you to understand. I'm going to put it on record again so that people can listen to it. Uh, okay, fine. You see, there are three, there are three crosses. There are three crosses that are available. Right? One is the cross that you can impose on yourself. You can be carrying load that God didn't give to you. The devil didn't even give to you. You just choose to carry those load. Huh? Because people say, take up your cross and follow me. Therefore, you must carry cross. Go on ahead, carry. Huh? Some literally carry cross and say they are suffering to punish the body. Because you have to punish the flesh to live in the spirit. You are no longer in the flesh, you are in the spirit, the Bible says. Amen? Okay. Then there's a cross, supposedly, that the devil can give to you. Right? You still need to identify all of this. But a good story I have for you is this. If God gives you a cross, there's a glory. How do you determine which one is not of God? It is the one that you don't see any glory on it. It is the one that God doesn't show you anything. And my typical example is there in the Bible. God was sending Moses to the promised land. They are going to pass through the wilderness, but he first showed him the promised land. He told him the kind of land they are going to inherit, which flows with milk and honey. So the, the wilderness is no longer a problem. They should be able to enjoy the wilderness because on the other side, is a land flow with milk and honey. Is that okay? Hebrews 12 verse 2, the Bible says, but because of the glory that was set before him, Jesus enjoyed the cross. If he, he was first shown the glory of resurrection of the other side of the cross before he went to the cross. Are you sitting there with me? Joseph saw that his father, his mother, and the eleven brother are going to bow down to him. Therefore, he can go through the pits. He can go through Pharaoh's house. He can go through the prison. Because the glory was, these people will bow down to him. God doesn't give you a cross that doesn't show you the glory. Can I hear any man to that? So if you are suffering anything, and God has not said anything to you because of what you are suffering, it is not from God. You got to reject it. You got to pull it down. You got to renounce it. Take authority over that cross and get yourself out of it. Don't die carrying bodies that God didn't give to you and you call it, well, I'm suffering for Christ's sake. No, man. Stupid. Okay, sorry. All right. Verse 24. Are we there together? Go to verse 24. Now, the same thing goes for a good person who turns his back on an upright life and starts sinning, plunging into the same vial of sanities that the wicked person practices. With this person leave, I don't keep a list of all the things that person did right. Like money in the bank, what mean? Like money in the bank, he can draw on because of his defection. Because he accumulates sins, he will die. What God is saying is this. You do all the good life you want to live, and all of a sudden you turn down to killing people and whatever. You see, the wages of sin is death. It's not... <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I wanted to say something. Can I say it? It's not internal torment. It's death. The wages of sin is death. Period. <laughs> Did you understand what I'm talking about? Listen, 
the day you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. You know that, I mean, you see, see. That's what he's saying. What he's saying is that if you start, if you live in a righteous life, you live in a very good life, you turn your back and begin to do wrong things, go to worship idols, whatever, you're going to be at a consequence. Simple. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if I don't keep a list of the wrong, I'm not going to keep a list of the good things you've done. Because you've chosen another life. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying here? The life you choose to live, that's why I say in the beginning, God judges you based on the life you live. Not your past, now. So if you were so wonderful yesterday, today you become a vile person, man, you're going to suffer for the things you are doing now, not yesterday's own. God is not going to keep that record. Except you're going to pray like, with this king? King O'Kudan. Uzziah, Zarah, I don't know what that is. Say, God, remember the things I've done, remember the things I've done. Okay, fine. But at that point, that's a point of repentance. Is that not true? Good. God can consider that. But I want you to understand the picture here. Your past have nothing to do with your future or the now. Are we together? Okay. Verse 25. Do I hear you saying, that is not fair. God, it's not fair. <laughs> Listen, Israel, I'm not fair. You are the ones who aren't fair. Verse 26. If a good person turns away from his good life and take up sinning, he will die for it. He will die for his own sin. Verse 27. Likewise, if a bad person turns away from his bad life and start living a good life, a fair life, he will save his life. Hallelujah. Are you getting that? Verse 28. Because he faces up to all the wrongs he's committed and put them behind him. He will live, really live. He won't die. Praise the living God. Verse 29. And yet Israel keeps on winning. That's whining, whatever. That is not fair. God is not fair. God is speaking again. I'm not fair, Israel. You are the ones who aren't fair. The offshoot is this, Israel. I will judge each of you according to the way you live. Can I hear an amen to that? So turn around. Turn your backs on your rebellious living so that sin won't drag you down. Clean house. No more rebellions. Please. Got a new heart, got a new spirit. Why will you choose to die, Israel? Verse 32. I take no pleasure in anyone's death, decrees God the master. Make a clean break. Live a good life. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Now I'm reading to portray this fact that you can die for the sins of your father. There is no record anywhere in the Bible. And Amaziah even proved that practically. No record anywhere in the Bible that any child can die for the sins of his father. Friend, listen, all this community cleansing thing people do, man, I think they are just doing some extra biblical... Of course, it's making money, it's giving the money, that's why they're doing it. That's why they're doing it. I remember the other day going to Ashaka and I find out the whole place was clean out. That's What's the problem? And they told me, when minister came to town and said, which is sustained on top of the trees and the plantains. Man, they literally dealt with all the plantains, pulled down all the trees, 
Stupid. These are trees that provide shade. These are trees. I mean, good atmosphere. Everything down. The witches are happening in those places. They are doing cleansing in the town. And you see, men coming to destroy your system and you're paying them. That's what religion can do. Where you have no understanding, people take advantage of a foolishness. Plantains were going away. Huh? Fruits. You eat to get iron. Plantains are you know, money. The witches are staying in the plantain. Witches are staying in the trees. Now, I'm just wondering. I also believe that witches sleep in houses sometimes too. Amen. But I haven't seen anybody go to, you know, carry his bed, just set fire on it. What happened? Witch slept there. I haven't seen anybody that. You killing trees because witches sleep there. But your bedroom, witches could sleep there. You don't destroy your bed. I mean, I don't know. Praise God. God need to help us. They said they're doing cleansing. They're going to dig up something your father put somewhere. Why? Father put somewhere. I don't even know what he put there. What's my business? He dug his life there. He died with it. Huh? All crazy thing my father did when he was alive. I don't know anything about them. I have nothing to think about them. I don't know nothing. When I believe, I believe. It was finished for me. Amen? I gave you a story here. My, my father, my family, you don't eat snail. What we call Congo meat. You don't eat it. You try it. Oh, you pay dearly for it. Your skin will turn to somebody like having eczema. The, instantly, you will change. Until sacrifices are made for you. I mean, I'm not talking of stories. I, will, I know it was real. Okay? But, I told you when I repented. I was in Port Aikot, And they prevent, presented to me this wonderful snail. Well prepared. Man, look at this thing. Crazy. It was a temptation. And I fell for the temptation. Is that okay? When I looked at this thing and Sonny said, but you know your family don't eat snail. I said, no, this one, I'm going to eat this one. <laughs> and my friend asked me, do you eat snail? I said, sure I do. I didn't think twice to answer. I devoured the whole thing. Washed it down with a bottle of coke. And I was still fresh. The blood of Jesus worked for me. In fact, when I got home, it was a story because I stayed for two weeks. I keep on looking at my skin. Nothing was happening. I went back home and I told my mom that I ate snake. She jumped. Can you imagine that? The only Isaac that they were having. This Isaac was going to go. Amen. <laughs> they jumped and shouted to my dad. He wants now my dad to go and bring things to make sacrifice or whatever. And I came So what happened? I said, nothing. I said, are you sure? I said, man, the thing takes very good. Right. That was the first challenge my father had about my faith. First challenge. And he made a statement. And he said, this God you want to serve, serve him well. Is that okay? That was the statement my father made that very day. And right from that time, anytime I'm coming and maybe they are doing their worship, whatever. Once they hear I'm on the road coming, they will pack. Their God have no power to say don't move. They will just pack everything. They say, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. I walk in the house, everywhere clean, neat. They will just pretend that nothing was going on. If I'm saying two days, they will never bring anything down for worship. After I've gone, they start whatever thing they want to do. I mean, there's power in Christ, amen? 
I didn't go to anywhere for anybody to do anything. Just believe, man. I just believe that there is something more powerful. I asked my dad a question. I said, watch it. If you think the God, this God you are serving is so powerful, I want to serve the God who created the things you are using. The one that makes the leaves, the one that makes the rock, the one that makes the tree. That is the one I want to follow. Do you believe there's somebody? He said, I should think so, because this thing does not come out on their own. Fine. That is the one I want to follow. And he said, follow him well. I told you, my dad made a statement. He said, if your kind of church were in the village, I would have gone to church. He said, but these people I'm seeing here, they don't have what you have. So I can't go there. So just like my Mahatma Gandhi who couldn't go to church because of Christians. My father couldn't really go to a worship house because of Christians. You see what I'm saying? Because our belief system is all wrong. We don't know exactly who we believe. We don't know what Christ, the blood, the sacrifice can do. I'm a living testimony of what I'm talking to you. I'm not reading a story. I didn't read from a book. I'm talking about my life. And when people start coming to me talking about, Hey, David, you know, if you have such a life, you need to go for deliverance. My question was, who's, where did Abraham go to for deliverance? Because I know Abraham was worshiping idols. I read that. From the book of Joshua, I read the whole story. Abraham's father was an idol worshiper. Abraham was involved in idol worship. When this man got to know God, tell me what happened. Man, nothing. Plain stuff. God just changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. Add his own name, add his life to Abraham. Abraham became a father of many nations. He said, I'll give you a new name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Man, just believe the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. See, what any other thing could not do in Egypt, the blood did it. Oh, come on, you need to, I'm going to preach a message on your dad. See, Jesus, look at what Moses did. Turn snake this, turn this, turn that, turn that. Are you getting what I'm talking about? People will not, you will not see how I let them go. Until the blood. Right? When they put the blood on the lintel. This night, let everybody begin to move. Are you getting what I'm talking about? All the time they were doing the miracles. Pharaoh will say, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> but the last one, when the blood came up as identification, the spirit of that began to move. Hey man, you need to go. When nothing works, the blood is going to work. Amen. Believe the blood. Okay, let me read something from the New Testament to buttress what I'm saying tonight, that you can only suffer what if you continue with what your fathers were doing. Talk with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke 11. Read the book, believe the book. Amen? Stand on the word of God. It prevails against any other negative force in creation. I know it, I believe it. It's working for me, it can work for you. Amen? Praise God. Luke 11, 46. And he said, Jesus speaking, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers, for ye laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and ye yourself touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe unto you, for you build the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers kill them. Can you see that? Come on, are you following what I'm saying there? <laughs> you build the sepulchres and your father of the prophet, and your fathers kill them. True, you we bear witness that you allow the deeds of your fathers. For they indeed kill them and ye build their war sepulchres. Is that not a partnership? <laughs> Hallelujah. Is that not a partnership? 
Look at the next in verse 49. Therefore also say the wisdom of God. I will send the prophet and apostles and some of them, uh, yep, they shall slay and persecute. That, look at verse 50. The blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple, verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Now, when he said truly God witness, you acknowledge that those of old who killed the prophet were your fathers. Because you see, your fathers killed the prophet, now you came decorating the tombs. You are being a witness. Ordinarily, um, how many of you have gone to certain cemeteries, uh, Christian cemeteries? Okay? Like, in some, in some cities, not to worry here per se, but in some cities you have churches with specific cemeteries. How many of you know that? Now you see, people go there once in a while, they build these tombs and they paint it, whitewash it. Are you getting what I'm talking about? It's a part of what is going on here. The Jewish people actually, some of them do that. They feel it's an honor to the dead. That's the mindset. But Jesus is saying, you are not just doing it as an honor to the dead, you are also accepting and agreeing that you are in partnership with who? Your father. You kill them, you are decorating their tombs. Therefore, the blood that have ever shed from the blood of Abel or the blood of Zacharias shall be required. What do you mean requirement? is going to demand it from you. You know what? You are going to pay. I cannot tell you what is going on here. What Jesus is saying here has to do with what happened to Jerusalem in AD 70. Did you get that? Because this is mighty. If you look at this 11, you read down. If you go to mighty 23, you're going to see the same thing. Now, I think, uh, I don't know. Mighty 23, if you, if you look at verse 5 alone, you see that. Mighty 23, verse 35, the same story. It says, that upon you may come all the righteous blood. So, it's a different statement. When you say require, you're going to demand from you. But upon you, might you say upon you in form of judgment. Are you getting this? Okay. It says, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Barakias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Hallelujah. When you say upon the earth, basically, if you go back, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing some studies that I'm going to sh- I'll be sharing with you after now. When you talk about the heaven and earth, you pass away, all of those things. We need to understand what heaven and earth is passing away. Is that okay? Earth here, basically, in, 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 if you started studying, you find that earth here was referring to the region of Judea. It's not talking about the earth. Is that okay? It's talking about the region of Judea. Okay. So here he's saying, you are going to be punished. By implication, this was a national punishment. It was not an individual punishment. Similar to what we would find in Exodus 20, verse number 5. I told you Exodus 20 was a national punishment. Is that okay? It was a judgment that was supposed to come upon a nation. And that's precisely what is going on here. Why? Because they continue with what their fathers did. So the judgment came in AD 70 when God used the Romans to deal with them. Amen? 
Praise the living God. So I want you to get this point right. You cannot, if you want to find time to study the issue of the um, Zachariah, how he was killed, you can read Second Chronicles 24, verse 23 to 25. You see the picture there on how Zachariah died and all of that. Amen? Okay. Now, when God was bringing this judgment upon the people, Judea was destroyed. There was this king called, uh, what is this man named? Zarudan or whatever. Not Zerubbabel. But actually came in to take the whole of Judea. Nebuzaradan. That was the name of that man. Captured these people, took them down. And then, that was at that particular period. But uh, in relation to Matthew 24, we actually deal with the Roman soldiers that came into Jerusalem to destroy the place and take them to captivity as it were. Is that okay? We're in AD 70. Praise the Lord. Alright. So when we're talking about this thing shall come upon this uh, uh, nation, you find that it's actually what the Jews experienced because they continued. Now watch that. If you go back to Matthew chapter 21, remember the Bible talks about the vineyard. And the son of the vineyard was saying, they killed all the people that were saying, and then when the son came, was supposed to be the heir, they also killed him. And he was talking about Christ himself. So what he was saying, that you were killing all the prophet, I sent my son, you also killed my son. Now you are continuing with what your fathers were doing, therefore the righteous blood of these people shall be demanded from you. And for the demand to take place, the Roman soldiers were released by God and they destroyed Jerusalem in AD 70. People died. People were eating their children because there was famine and things and things like that. That's why Mighty 24 have nothing to do with what is going to happen tomorrow. Because this generation shall not pass in all these things be fulfilled. Amen? Praise the living God. So Mighty 24 was actually the, the, the fulfillment of that particular pronouncement in Mighty 23, when it talks about the blood of the righteous one slain from the foundation of the world shall be required of this nation. And that is what was fulfilled in Matthew 24. Amen? So, it was the Jews that suffered. Now, what am I saying tonight? You can only suffer if you continue with what your fathers did. But if you break from the lineage of your father by living the life of Christ, nothing of your past has any power over your life. Amen. God rightly said, I won't punish the father for the children and I will not punish the children for the father. Every soul is mine. Praise the living God. 